so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Ebola. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Twitter, at Lisa Evers. On the gram, at Lisa Evers Live, hashtag Ebola. And we're streaming the show live around the country, all across the United States, coast to coast right now on Hot97.com. And this is a topic that we have been getting so many calls and texts and tweets about. So you might want to text your family and friends all around the country right now. Tell them to tune into the live stream, the free live stream of the show on Hot97.com. Now, we've been hearing about Ebola for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now we have our first case here in New York City, 33-year-old Dr. Craig Spencer, who returned from Guinea, where he was a volunteer with Doctors Without Borders. He's one of those hero medical people who goes over there, volunteers his time to try and help the people in countries where they... You know, they do not have the resources at all that we have. They don't even have any kind of health infrastructure to deal with this crisis. He's being treated at Bellevue Hospital, and we're all hoping and praying for his full recovery. They're saying he's in that stage of the disease now where it gets a little bit worse before it can get better. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are for all the people who are, who are struggling with this and fighting to survive it. Now, the death toll in Africa, totaling nearly 5,000 people. New safety plans and protocols have been put in place for hospital workers, first responders, all kinds of new travel restrictions, including a quarantine on those arriving in New York at JFK Airport and Newark in uh, Newark, New Jersey Airport from Ebola-affected countries. Now, there's five airports in the United States. There's only five airports where you can land if you're coming from those countries. And a lot of people are saying this is looking like a parade of politicians. We're getting a lot of mixed messages about this. We've seen our mayor doing uh, press conferences day after day after day, eating meatballs at the restaurant where the doctor who was infected was eating to show that it was safe. Our Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams going bowling at the bowling alley where he was. Um, People concerned because he was on at least four subways. He was on a couple of taxis before he uh, realized that he was having symptoms. So we're going to find out what all of that means. And I think the basic line for us today, our basic goal today, is to just really get you accurate information about what this is. And our question is, is is this a media hype? Is this much more of a danger to people in undeveloped countries where there's not clean water, where there aren't medical resources, where there aren't health departments, where there aren't a lot of trained professionals that can deal with it? Or is this something we really need to be concerned about? And how you need to protect yourself. And and I know a lot of you are working in jobs where you're on the front lines, your sanitation workers, your security guards, your TSA screeners, your police officers, uh, first responders, EMTs, hospital workers, hospital cleaners. You're dealing with a lot of these types of issues. So we really want to get some accurate information here to you and just understand what we're dealing with because sometimes when these things are in the news day after day after day, we start to go, wow, is this something I have to be worried about every time I go out on the train or or go to a store and what about the counters and what about shaking people's hands and you know giving people daps in the hood what's going on with that so anyway we're um we're gonna I'm gonna introduce you to our panel in just a moment taking your telephone calls do you have a question about Ebola 1-800-223-9797 or do you think that all these concerns are media hype 
or are you really worried about it? Give us a call right now, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Joining us on our panel here in studio is Dr. David Samadhi. You see him on Fox News. He's with the Fox News Medical A-Team. He is also the chairman of the Department of Urology, chief of robotic surgery at Lenox Hill Hospital with North Shore LIJ Network. And Dr. Samadhi, thank you so much for Good being morning, with Lisa. us. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate Pleasure it. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Dr. Hannah Hamdi. She's the director of the Department of Health and Community Wellness in the city of Newark. And she's been working with the state and federal government authorities and officials. They've been devising Ebola preparedness plans for Newark Airport and also the city of Newark. Because remember, the, the nurse that just came in through Newark, that is uh, Newark Airport, that's being quarantined. At University Hospital, that's in Newark. It's a lot of Newark first responders and city of Newark uh, medical personnel and medical teams and also the support staff. You know, even people that are bringing food that are doing all those kind of things are are involved in this. And uh, Dr. Hamdi, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be on the show. We appreciate it. And also with us is Paul Howard. He's a senior fellow with the Manhattan Institute Center for Medical Progress. He has a lot of opinions about what the media is doing about this and how this message is getting out there. Paul, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us on the phone is Dr. Kathy Ann Duncan. She's the Interim Medical Director for Newark's Health Centers. Um, Dr. Duncan, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Dr. Samadhi, I want to start with you about this, the question everybody's asking, because we're hearing different opinions, and it's, it's hard for the average person to decide what's medical fact and what's medical possibility. How do you get Ebola? How can you get sick from it? Well, so far, every discussion has been talking about the bodily fluid. And one of the things that you've heard that I said was that this virus has potential to be a lot worse than HIV, because with HIV, you're talking about semen and blood. With this one, you're talking about not only semen, blood, but you have vomit, diarrhea, maybe sweat, maybe uh, sputum, and etc. Saliva. So saliva, all of that is involved. So it has a potential in the future to become worse than HIV. So bodily fluid is is the way you would get this. Um, Everyone is talking about the fact that it's hard to get this virus, but it all depends on what spectrum. You have two to 21 day incubation period. The first 10 days or eight days, which is the average time when the symptoms starts to kick in, you may be fine. The viral load is low, and at that point you may not be able to pass this. Once the symptoms kicks in, and we have to define exactly what are the symptoms. Is it fever? Is fever the only thing that can really make you symptomatic? What are the, what are the symptoms? Well, you can have fatigue, you have muscle pain, you have body ache, and you start getting into the fever. So your immune system is starting to start fighting the virus, and that's when you start having the fever. But that sounds like the flu, too. Exactly right. And that's one of the reasons we have to be very careful to distinguish these two diseases. And we'll talk about the flu vaccine and the role of this this year especially, uh, we want to encourage people to get that to decrease the load of those cases coming to the ER. So if you're after your 8 to 10 days, you would become very contagious, and, and that's when you can spread the, the virus. My big question, and the problem that I have with this whole thing is, I still as a doctor have not been able to figure out how the NBC cameraman got the virus. That's my big dilemma. We know that it's not airborne. We know the likelihood of this becoming like a flu or airborne is extremely low. How did that camera crew got it? How did the nurse in Spain got it? And how did this guy got it? This Dr. Spencer is well-trained. 
part of the Doctors Without Borders. There was no breach in the protocol. He was wearing his gowns and mask and hazmat suits. For three weeks that he was there, he was all covered. How did he come up with this virus? And these are the questions that I'm bringing up that maybe bodily fluid could be part of it, but we're not 100% sure. But there could be something else that's missing. Dr. Duncan, in terms of the nurse that's at University Hospital right now, can you tell us what she's being uh, kept in a tent? Can you tell us what her status is? Um, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not really um, affiliated with the University Hospital. I do know that she was put in isolation, and anybody who had any contact with her, had to use the standardized PPE that is being recommended by the CDC. And what so is that, what is that sta- when you say PPE, for those of us who are not in the, me- most of us who are not in the medical profession, what does that mean? Um, PPE means personal protective equipment. And it, as the um, disease has evolved, we have had more and more stringent and more and more um, detailed types of PPE being Recommended. So right now, they have a particular type of mask, a t- particular type of goggles, particular type of um, protective clothing that is impermeable to water, so that there's absolutely no skin exposed when you come into contact with anybody and touch anybody who is suspected or in quarantine. And then in terms of the city of Newark for people, because you you run the health centers, is there a way if people feel that they are vulnerable or feel that they might be experiencing Ebola-like symptoms or if they've come back or of something of that nature, can they go to one of the health centers? Well, what we're we're telling our health um, care workers is if someone calls in expressing concern about having a fever, we, immediate, we immediately ask about travel. If there's been travel and they have a fever, then we recommend that you call your emergency room. Do not come to the clinic because we certainly do not have the um, requirements necessary to actually be in contact or touch someone who is suspected. Right, because you don't have the protocols. Doc, um, Dr. Duncan, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Dr. Hannah Hamdi, let me, let me get to you on this, because your university hospital has been the main, it's been the New Jersey equivalent of what we have at Bellevue Hospital here, which is one of the main centers for treating people suspected of having the Ebola virus. So in terms of the, 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 the woman, the nurse that was taken mm-hmm. there, anybody suspected from Newark Airport is brought to University Hospital. What can you tell us about what's happening with her now so as the department of health we actually oversee the three clinics under which dr um, duncan oversees um, so when the patient first arrived she was um, brought over to an isolation site her temperature was taken and they did a swipe forehead swipe i believe because she was exhausted emotion emotionally and she was rushed there was a detection of high temperature she was then escorted to UH, and they took blood work and oral temperature, and she is negative. This is a suspect. She's not a patient with Ebola. And we are following strict federal and state guidelines. So now she has to stay in this quarantine tent for 21 days. She is the first patient that we are um, practicing the governor's uh, quarantine, mandatory quarantine. Right, and what you're talking about is what happened on Friday. Let me just bring in Paul, and then I want to ask Dr. Samadhi about this quarantine. Paul, people are getting a little bit of confusing messages here. This is the feedback that we're getting here at at Hot 97 at Street Soldiers, and also you know from Fox 5 talking with people about this, have been covering it, is that on the one hand, 
yes, we don't have to worry about it. On the other hand, if you're coming from one of the uh, uh, Ebola-affected countries in West Africa, you have to be quarantined now in New Jersey or New York for three weeks' time, which the federal government said they hadn't heard about. It was Governor Christie and Governor Cuomo. Do you think people are getting confusing messages about this? Either it's a crisis or it's not a crisis, or what are we supposed to believe? Well, I think people are concerned, understandably concerned. I think the mixed messages have come in from what the CDC and the president were saying at the very beginning, which I think was meant to be extraordinarily reassuring, but they really set the bar far too high to say, look, we're not going to see any Ebola here, or any hospital in the U.S. can grapple with Ebola. Both those things later turned out to be true, pardon me, untrue. And then you've got the problem of the CDC actually changing its guidelines for health professionals dealing with patients with the virus. So that leads to a lot of uncertainty and confusion and concern, especially among healthcare workers. So when that that uh, story shifts by people who are supposed to be the experts, people in the media naturally get suspicious and concerned. It's very confusing. Dr. Samadhi, what about this nurse that came into Newark Airport? She wrote an op-ed piece for the Dallas Morning News that's, uh, that's in the paper you know, online, online today. She said that a TSA screener took her temperature with one of those non-touch, non-touch thermometers and that she'd been sitting for three hours after this excruciatingly long connecting series of connecting flights. And I'm sure while she was in Africa, she wasn't getting proper sleep. She was working and trying to help save lives over there. And that they detected the fever. But then when she got to the hospital, that she was a normal, with the, uh, the oral thermometer, it was normal. So what are we supposed to trust Okay, here? so you want to know the truth, Lisa? Yes, I it's do. A, it's a mess. It's a mess. CDC is not helping people. The public trust is extremely low because one day you, you go into quarantine, one day you're not. You have people who are doing voluntary quarantine and they come out to get some chicken soup. The other one goes bowling, etc. There are no real guidelines. Yes, these guidelines that have put in have been for other diseases. But the truth is with Ebola, there's not a lot of experience in this country. And anytime you start questioning, then people will say, hey, the media is trying to cause like panic. And this whole thing about the happy go lightly and just what is that song that we have don't worry be happy right don't worry that doesn't make any sense we need to educate people and tell them exactly what this is i think this virus is quite dangerous it has a 70 to 90 percent mortality rate there's no vaccine i've heard 50 no, percent they, they bump it up to 70 percent and also rate is about 60 percent well it's 60 percent because in this country we have a much better health system than over there so 60 to 90 percent those are not good odds no it's not good okay? odds. period you, okay. whatever it is you have no vaccine the clinical trials in the human tr- clinical trials are not going to be around until January, despite $200 million that J&J, GlaxoSmith are all pumping into this. Israeli companies are trying to make antiviral medications. Listen, you're not going to have any treatment for another four months. Winter is coming. This virus can survive longer in cold weather, around four, four degrees of centigrade. And all we're telling people, hey... Don't worry, we're fine. Now we have someone in New York. They should have kept him on the 21-day mandatory quarantine. And if you're exposed to these patients over there and you're one flight away, you're coming over here and you're allowed to go in subways, bowling, this is ridiculous. Dr. Hamdi, what about that? And in, in, in terms of the, the and these nurses and doctors with, with uh, Doctors Without Borders, which some people, they say, they call it Médecins Sans Frontières, <laughs> the Doctors Without Borders that go around and the nurses and the medical volunteers that are trying to help save these people's lives. But when they come back, there's a certain idea of like, well, you know, we're here and you guys can take care of us here. And I think, I think some people in America feel like, wait a minute, we're not, you know, if you care about Americans too, then why not just volunteer 
voluntarily quarantine yourself for 21 days, make sure you're okay when you come home, and then go about, you know, go about your business and keep these, the ability to, to send these volunteers over there, you know, alive and open. So, for the one is that we don't have enough information just yet. And I don't think, and I agree completely with Governor Cuomo, the idea of voluntary quarantine is oxymoron. And what we need, we, we do need is to be extra cautious. And so we have developed policies, we have developed preparedness plans from the CDC to the local governments. And let, right, me, let, let, let me just oh, go ahead, add Paul. one thing. So we've had, I guess, nine patients total infected in the U.S. We've lost one, Thomas Eric Duncan, who arrived from Liberia, was very misdiagnosed at Dallas Hospital. Um, so the, the fatality rate in the U.S. is likely to be significantly lower than what we've seen in Africa. Best supportive care therapy in the U.S. is probably going to knock that fatality rate down to 10 or 20 percent. Now, that is still not great. And the healthcare workers who are treating those people are obviously very concerned and should be very concerned. Uh, and Dr. Samadhi is absolutely right. We should treat this disease with a lot more respect than I think we've been giving it so far. And understand, and maybe, I mean, is it, I know it's hard because medical experts and all the public health experts, you're the experts and supposed to be telling us, but what one of the um, people that I interviewed in this for Fox 5 News at 5 and 10 was that they said, you know what, Lisa, this isn't like something in the United States where we have people coming to the emergency room, we can track them, we can record the systems, we can enter the data in a computer, we can follow it and track it. You have people dying, you don't know what stage they're at, there's not a lot of data that they can they can really work with at this point. Listen, I lost uh, a little bit of respect for what they were saying at the beginning. When they came and they said every hospital in America is able to take care of this disease. No, and we're all prepared. That was a huge mistake. You don't need to make statements like this. Now there are surveys that shows, you know how many percent of hospitals are ready to do this? There's like four or five. Six percent. You're telling me that you're prepared for this? And that's why I said ban the flights out of there. It may sound cruel that you're closing the borders. This is a disease that needs to be taken care of over there. Israelis are sending their doctors over there. Two emergency rooms are up within 24 hours. We have... Well, what about these volunteers that want to go over there and help? Do you think they should not be allowed? Look, the doctors... No, they're no, like no, the they only... Should, they should, I think they're like one of the few... Uh, they should be able to go, but the thing is, before they come back, we need to have some procedure. You can't just throw somebody who's been exposed to this disease and say, go to New York City and just have a great time. Keep them in an area, biocontainment, Make sure that they're under control, and if they come with symptoms, we'll take care of them. They're our guys. We don't right. want them to just go over there and, and die. But this is a disease that we don't have a lot of experience. Let me just okay. say one other thing, Lisa. Okay, and then I want to bring this, in somebody this, that just came back from Liberia. Yeah, okay. this virus, actually, that they call them Sudan or, you know, the Zaire, Zaire or uh, Dominican Republic of Congo, it has mutated over the last 30 years. There's, there's about 300 mutations over the last 30 years. Have you ever asked the question, like, why all of a sudden we went from a couple of hundred cases every other year to, like, 10,000? And one of the things that CDC is saying is that by January, we're going to see about a million, or, listen to this, over a million cases in January in Africa. Oh, my God. All right, let's bring in uh, Jesse Hartness right now. Jesse just returned from Liberia a couple of weeks ago. He's the director of health and nutrition for Save the Children. We're they're one of the organizations that's on the ground in the West African countries just try, really trying to help keep these children alive because the children, we're losing a lot of children with this as well. Jesse, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, thank you for having me. We appreciate it. What, first of all, tell us, what, what did you see in Liberia? So the situation is, is pretty much as serious as we're hearing. Um, there are significantly more cases than I think are even being reported, and mm-hmm. the numbers are, are actually lagging. Um, 
Uh, but that being said, the, the international community is, is definitely stepping up, um, and the capacity to respond is, is increasing. But um, we still need quite a bit more um, help, um, both with people deploying and with, with resources in terms of funding. As, as, as someone who has come back, um, you know, and, and we know the great work that Save the Children is doing over there. You, you came back from this country. How do you feel about the discussion now and the, the new regulations in Newark and uh, at Kennedy Airport for people to be in quarantine for 21 days when they return from these countries? I, I, I definitely understand. I understand, you know, better than most. I think that this is a, a very scary disease and definitely deserves the respect, as, as one of the other uh, panelists said. Um, that being said, you know, we do know that the disease is not contagious until significant symptoms are, are shown. And any significant restrictions on people coming back from those countries is going to is going to be a deterrent for anyone to deploy and actually uh, provide the essential services that are needed. Because they're going on a volunteer basis. Jesse, thank you so much for being with us. I'm Jesse Hartness from Save the Children. I want to get to the phones, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. Uh, you can post a comment there. We'll read that on the air. Twitter, um, at Lisa Evers, hashtag Ebola. Phones, 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Anthony from Long Island. Anthony, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Anthony? Oh, yes. Uh, I know you've been holding on for a long time, but thank you for calling in. <laughs> yeah, my question is, how come nobody's asking Dr. Spencer how he, you know, contacted the disease? He knew he went to West Africa to take care of people that were deadly sick, and I'm sure he followed all precautions, but yet he still caught the disease. That's, oh, a, oh, that's, that's the question that needs to be answered. Okay, we're going we're gonna to put that question to our panel. Dr. Samadhi, what about that? Well, you, Anthony, you were saying. Anthony thinks the same way as I do, as I live in Long Island. And that's the question that we have to answer. He left on September 18th. He came back three and a half weeks after. Based on what he said, it was no breach of protocol. And he always had his hazmat suits. There was no contact to any of the bodily fluid. And these are the kind of the concerns that I have. And but going back to have respect for this virus. If you just talk about the fact that Let's not talk about this because then we can create fear and panic. That's ridiculous. Is there, so, so, so are there things about the contagion be, that we don't understand? Because I saw, you know, Bellevue Hospital, the protocols, and then some of the medical experts have said that when they're taking off, you know, when they're actually taking off the, the gloves, gloves and taking off the equipment that, like they did in Dallas, that apparently didn't do it the right way, that even just some of whatever's on the glove, if it gets on your skin... Absolutely. You can catch Ebola. And the gloves. Is that are, true? Well, the gloves are the last thing that goes on, even as surgeons. Those are the last, the gloves goes last after your gown and your mask and, and your head cover, and it's the first thing that comes out. That was originally on the guidelines on CDC, which is a mistake because, as you said, if you take your gloves off, now you have your bare hands and you can touch and get the virus. The necks were open. How do you get the virus if your neck skin is open, if there's no abrasion in it? All I'm saying is that we need to think a little bit further than just it's only bodily fluid. Dr. Hamid, yes, please. So here's the thing. This is where the fear and anxiety comes in. I think if we stick to the science, the science does say that we, we don't know if this transmits outside of what we know. This is bodily contact. There's no science that says this virus has mutated, that it is airborne. 
No, nobody said that it's airborne. But nobody nobody's saying, nobody's we're not saying it's airborne. That, no, no, and this no, no, is no. not airborne like the flu. Exactly. But here's the gray airborne. area. That, but, but, but here's what, the thing. But when you say that, you know, how did, how did the doctor contract I'm it? I'm just questioning it. So if you're a scientist, the excuse question. me, if you're a scientist, tell me what the science says. But the, I'm do a do doctor. I just want to know how he got it. We don't know if the... Okay, so let's say we don't know. It's exactly. That's all right. We can leave it at that. But to say that, you know, we don't... But that doesn't make me feel good that all of you people, that all of you with all these amazing degrees. Conversely, Thomas Eric Duncan's family lived with him at close quarters while he was sick and didn't get the virus. Ah, you want to answer for that? Because when he came at the beginning, he was not contagious. He was in the first week. Immediately after his fever started to go up and he starts vomiting in, in, in the ER, in the parking lot, that's when he became a highly viral load and that's when he becomes contagious right but they sent him home after that so there and his his apartment did have contaminated sheets i think that with that at the time at the time when he was the nurses started to you know nina fam and the other nurse was exposed to him that's when he was really came back that's when those nurses actually got it through the bodily fluid we understand that bodily fluid is this main source that's what we know from ebola from africa all i'm saying is that you have to tell me how did this nbc cameraman got by just shooting a video, and how did this guy get it? That's all. If your science explains, okay, I well, salute that, well, you. Until I'm going I'm I'm to leave that question. We just need to have respect for this virus. I, w- I want to. I want to come back with that question of, of how could a cameraman get it? And then the other thing too, Dr. Hamdi, I want to ask you about like what do you do as a public health professional for planning mm-hmm. when there's so much about this that we don't know? Because at first that we were being mm-hmm. told this was almost like as difficult to get as AIDS. You had to have extremely intimate contact with a person, and now it's saliva. So I'm thinking. Well, kids, you know, kids are sharing everything. What could? There's a lot of different ways that this could, you know, that this could develop. Hopefully, it's under control. But we're gonna we're gonna take uh, your telephone calls. Uh, Raphael, Fred, James, everybody else, hang on the line at one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven hashtag Ebola on Twitter at Lisa Evers on the gram at Lisa Evers live hashtag Ebola. If you have any questions, this is the time and uh, text your friends and family right now because we're getting the real deal, finding out the real information, the truth about what is happening here on Hot97.com. Listen, this weekend to win tickets to see French Montana and Jeremiah at the Best Buy Theater on December 9th. We'll be back right after this. We got Cliff, the Jets fan, who wants to see if his girl is ride or die. Some guys are coming to your house in 30 minutes to collect. You need her to come take care of this bet before these dudes have an issue with you. I got this. Hello. I bet some money on that uh, on that Jets game last week, and he lost. I bet like eleven $1, hundred dollars, and I need the money like right now. No, no. Yeah, no. Raven, you're a hot nine seven. He wanted to see if you was ride or die, and the answer is no. no. Who bets eleven hundred dollars on a jet? Come on. <laughs> Thank you, New Jersey. Sansone Hyundai is now the number one Hyundai dealer in our district. SansoneHyundai.com. All Sansone Hyundais come with America's best warranty, the 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty, and Hyundai Assurance. SansoneHyundai.com. Plus up to $5,000 off dealer posted price and guaranteed finance. Sansone Hyundai, Route 1 in Woodbridge or SansoneHyundai.com. I'm sure people buy cars elsewhere. I just don't know why. I've got new blueprints. I want the moat here, the dragon landing pad there, and laser cannons here, here, and over here. 
At Toys R Us, kids can build more with the largest Lego selection anywhere. It's the final week of Bricktober. Come in store for a free Lego Village set worth $19.99 with your Lego construction purchase of $75 or more. Only at Toys R Us. Offer available in-store only. Visit Toys R Us for details. With a Sam's Club membership, you get incredible savings every time you shop. This fall, find products to suit the season for less. Like Hershey's Peanut Butter Kiss Cookie Kit. 66 cookies at just 14 cents a cookie. Four pounds of Honeycrisp apples for $8.98. That's just $2.25 a pound. And a festive 32-inch decorated holiday wreath for just $49.98 to help you transition flawlessly from fall to winter. Join and save. Sam's Club. Life is better when you're in the club. See club for details. So I was talking to a buddy of mine who's on the NYPD, right? And he told me to check out nypdrecruit.com. So I did. Awesome benefits, lots of chances to move up in the ranks, and an excellent salary. And I can take the exam six days a week. It's that easy. I went down to one of the New York City testing centers and took the exam, and now I'm looking forward to a great opportunity with the NYPD. Take the NYPD exam offered six days a week. Visit nypdrecruit.com or call 212-RECRUIT for current test schedules and filing fee information. The NYPD is an equal opportunity employer. The world is very different since GEICO started saving people money over 75 years ago. This interweb thing? Not around. You want to know the answer to something? You just asked old man Russell. And if he didn't know, he made it up. That's why everyone in my town thought lightning bugs were filled with real lightning. Hey, we weren't always the sharpest tools in the shed, but we knew Geico was a smart deal. Geico, saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. Wells Fargo has exciting news. Until November 16, 2014, customers can come in for a free credit score and complimentary credit report. That's almost as exciting as a credit tip sung by a barbershop quartet. Your payment history is the biggest factor in your credit score. Not bad, guys. Come into Wells Fargo for your free credit score and complimentary credit report. Wells Fargo. Together we'll go far. Wells Fargo Bank NA, member FDIC. See a banker for specific promotion details. There's never been a better time to switch your family to Verizon. Join today and get a $150 bill credit when you bring your number and activate a new smartphone with Verizon. That's a total of $600 in savings for a family of four. Take advantage of this limited time offer and give your family more reasons to stay connected. With the More Everything plan, you'll enjoy shareable data on up to 10 devices, unlimited talk and text, and 25 gigabytes of Verizon cloud storage. You'll also get your hands on the best devices on the best network. Like the up-for-anything Samsung Galaxy S5 with a big and bold display. Qualified customers can now get the S5 for no money down on Verizon Edge. Join America's largest and most reliable 4G LTE network. Visit a participating Verizon Wireless store today. Bill credit requires new two-year smartphone activation or Verizon Edge. Edge up available after 30 days and 75% of original Edge device paid. Eligibility to port number varies. Details at verizonwireless.com. In the market for a new car? Check out Victory Mitsubishi for the $97 deal on a new 2014 Mitsubishi Lancer. Just $97 per month for 36 months with $29.97 due at signing. That's right, $97 a month. Visit VictoryMitsubishiCars.com on Route 1 in Larchmont. What up? This is Trey Songz and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people only on Hot 97. Only on Hot 97 and we're streaming this show live around the country on Hot97.com. Text your family and friends right now. Ebola, it's what everybody's talking about. It's we're talk. It's what we're talking about. Hashtag Ebola on Twitter, at Lisa Evers on Instagram, at Lisa Evers Live. And uh, taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. We've got the Street 
Soldiers Hot 97, a team of experts in here with us in studio. Dr. David Samadi with Fox News Medical A-Team. He's also the chairman of the Department of Urology, chief of robotic surgery at Lenox Hill Hospital with the North Shore LIJ Network. Dr. Hannah Hamdi, she's the director of the Department of Health and Community Wellness with the city of Newark. She's been working with the federal and state planners on preparedness plans for the Newark Airport in the city of Newark, which, as you know, is taking care of any people suspected of having Ebola who arrive at Newark Airport. Also, Paul Howard, he's a senior fellow with Manhattan Institute's Center for Medical Progress, and he's been watching the media coverage on this and also the politics and what some people are calling the politics of what's actually going on. We're going to get to your telephone calls at one 800 223 9797 1-800-223-9797. But first I want to bring in for a minute Lorena Gordon. She's a filmmaker. Her short film is called Times Like These. As you know, October is Domestic Awareness Month, and we didn't want to uh, avoid that topic or ignore that topic at all. Such an important one. Lorena was inspired by no one other than Martin Scorsese to make the film. And Lorena, just tell people briefly about it. We appreciate you being with us, and congratulations. Thank you so much. So, yeah, it's a short film I wrote loosely inspired by my mother's experience with domestic abuse. So uh, times like these tells the story of this woman who's been in an abusive marriage for years and finally one day has, has the courage and musters up the courage to uh, start a new life and uh, leave with nothing but her kids. All right. And if people want to find out more about you or about your work and about the film, because I know you're going to be doing a whole tour here in uh, New York in the tri-state and later on this month, what can, uh, you know, where can people get more info? Uh, we're uh, on Facebook on uh, www.facebook.com forward slash times like these film. And also we have our website is uh, tltfilm.com. All right. Great. Lorena, congratulations and thank you so much for being with us. That's tltfilm.com by Lorena Gordon. If you're interested in more information about that film that she's doing, that short film about her personal experience growing up in a household where there was domestic violence. Now we're going to turn it back to Ebola, 1-800-223-9797 panel. We've got a lot of phone calls and let's just uh, go right through these here. Um, let's go to Crystal from New York. Crystal, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I would like to know um, how for sure do you guys know that it's not airborne? Excellent question. This is the question that everybody wants to uh, know. Dr. Samadhi, how do we know well, for sure? Yeah, there was a study that uh, claimed that in cadavers, they have seen some of this virus in the lining of the lungs. Nobody has been able to duplicate that study. There's no reason to think that this is going to be airborne. There's no sign of mutation of this virus to become airborne. And this is a type of, this is different than, than flu. And usually we talk, we're worried about droplets, which is somewhere between like two to three feet, at least at this point. Droplets meaning somebody droplets sneezes somebody and doesn't cover sneeze. their mouth. And, that's, and then if you have it on your hands or you touch something that, you know, and it, at, the, at the advanced stage, once you touch your eyes, and that's one of the things that I want people to avoid, stop touching your eyes and, 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 and ears and inside the nasal mucosa, that's when the in virus the can, in the nose, the virus can get in. And always wash your hands and use hand sanitizers and alcohol bleach is what kills this virus and also if you heat up whatever the the tissue is if you heat it up to 60 degrees of centigrade for 60 minutes 
or boil something for five minutes, you can kill this virus. Those what about what about the, what about surfaces? Because there was, you know, we we saw the uh, the mayor riding the subway because the Dr. Spencer had ridden the subway. People are concerned about the poles. You're in very, you know, rush hour and a lot of other times you're just packed in like well, sardines that, in the that, train. That, that's all. All going to the the restaurants and have meatballs and riding the subways. That's all part of the PR of politicians. But can you get it from a, like if somebody has Ebola and they're they're putting it, their hands yes. on the counter at the McDonald's, you know, at a fast the, food place the, or whatever. Can the, you get it? Lisa, the likelihood of getting that is extremely low. I mean, you have to have some sort of abrasion or cut in your hands. At the same time, this virus can stay on the surface for hours and in fluid can stay for days. They're saying about you, two to six hours. Is that about th- right? That's Dr. About, Hamdi? Yeah. The study that Dr. Samadi actually mentioned with the lining of the lungs being uh, having virus has not been able to be replicated. That's right. So we know that for a fact. So it's, it's suspect, not, basically. It's suspect. That's right. What we do know is that this virus is transmissible through bodily fluids. And unless the person is exhibit, uh, showing advanced signs of, you know, advanced de- um, degree of this disease, they're not contagious. So for this person to be outside, they would have to be very sick and they're very noticeable. But, but here's, the, here's the thing with that. And we, we say we keep hearing this. Um, it, unless the symptoms are there, then it's not contagious. But did Dr. Spencer, is he walking around, or, or anybody, are they walking around, if they're possible, at risk of this, with a with a, a real-time thermometer, like a tracking device, every single second? Mm-hmm. The second their temperature goes up, now they have, is, is it like and, a light no, they, switch, they, like they, they, you're either your, on or and, you're off? And does your fever fluctuate during the day? But that's what but, I'm but saying. The whole, it's the like, whole issue you? is, it's the, what's called the viral load. So whether or not the patient has enough what virus, is the viral? it's the amount of virus in the person's System. So early on in the disease course, even when you have a fever, you're still not very virally contagious because your body just doesn't have enough, enough virus particles on you. You're also not putting viral particles into your sweat until much later when you're very sick. So towards the end of the illness, when you're in the last throes, there, your body's just putting out enormous amounts of virus through your sweat, your blood, your vomit, all that stuff. Early on in the course, the very, very low risk of contagion from handshake, something so, like so that. I, I think what a lot of people want to know is, for example, th- this doctor, our good doctor, who meant well and went there to do a good job. He's an emergency room doctor. He well, should they're risking know a lot their life to stuff. save other lives. No that's... question. So he gets A for that. But the fact that he just came out. Now, Wednesday night, he's out there and he's no symptoms, no fever. He's fine. He feels some fatigue. Is fatigue one of the symptoms that, you know, you should worry about? So Wednesday night, he's perfectly fine. Thursday morning, he has a fever and he's contagious. I think we should really think about how and the fact that the governors came and said look no more nonsense we're going to go beyond CDC guys that's exactly right so either you close the flights only for non-essential flights. You don't need to come here for a wedding. That stuff can wait until we take care of this virus. And have a special visa for medical or, or first responders. Go. Now you're talking these. And so aid we have workers. Our and like going. to save the children. Exactly right. So we are sending 4,000 of our troops over there. America is a great country. We're saving lives on a humanitarian aspect. We're but don't put our to, own people at risk. That's exactly. Until we figure out what we're until doing. Until we know we're going to. You're going to say CDC one day. You know, the nurse, the second nurse, called them and said, I have fever of 99.5. They told her, get on the plane. Get the one on the from plane. Dallas. But they got smarter on the second one. They said, okay, don't get into the flight. Go to the cruise. They have 4,000 But to the average Crazy. person, this kind of looks like we're making this up as we go it along. It's like somebody that got caught out there, and they're trying to make up a story because to cover Because they're figuring up. it out as we're going. Okay? That's why they should have never said there would never be anyone coming to this country. You're taking a chance by making this kind of But comments. why don't they just say, like, we're, we, we don't... 
don't know. You know, this is what we know, but there's a lot we don't know. We're monitoring the situation, and we're going to try to take. You know, this now, is going to be an evolving situation. And I, what, and I think that's what we're saying now, and that's coupled with community level education where we are. So yes, we protect our healthcare worker, but at the same time, we're aggressively working with the community. And letting people know that, yes, this is in development, but this is what we know. And the Ebola virus is in the United States is not as as dangerous as what, you know, would be outside of the state. The reason so why it's not there. It work yeah. along with, you know, yeah. with, we have the flu. We have the enterovirus D6. And, and I want to talk with you about the flu yes. shot in just a moment. But let me go to let me go to uh, Tisha right now from New York. Tisha, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, my question is how. Like, how will we know for our children that it's not a common cold, being that the weather's changing, they're coughing, and our children take the train? Like, I don't understand. So, how uh, did he get a chance to just travel like this and they know that he was there? So, you think the idea of the quarantine is a good idea to have this 21 day quarantine when they come back from these countries? They should be. Yes, they, yes, they should. He should have never even been able to even travel without them testing him and keeping him at least for a week. All right, let's and see what it looks so that he didn't have it. Let me ask the, let me ask our experts about the question about, about about the children. How do you know? Let's talk about this flu virus because we're being told get the flu vaccine and I don't understand why be, people are being told that aside from not, just not getting the flu. What does that have to do with Ebola? Well, the kids are not at risk, right? The kids are not in contact with patients who have been in contact with Ebola virus. Okay. Dr. Okay. Samani, what about, I, what about this diff- mother's question about the I think the her, her point is well taken. I think that, you know, kids' immunity is obviously low. I think the likelihood of a kid getting this virus by touching something is, is extremely low, but it's not impossible. And I think that flu vaccine this year is a lot more important than any other year because the common symptoms of flu and Ebola is the same. We don't want... We, we get about 230,000 visits to our emergency room every every year. We don't want those people to come in and say, hey, I have fever, because we want to be able to distinguish the Ebola patients. Let me just say one other thing. More people would die from TB, malaria, and other things, or flu. But we have treatment for those diseases. We don't have treatment for this virus. And we need to get our act together. And uh, that's why CDC needs to ramp up. And World WHO, unfortunately, was late to the game. They called this epidemic six months beyond where they should have called it and now we're asking for 80,000 now we're playing catch up yeah that's exactly let's go let's go to Emery right now Emery hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead hi how are you all right how are you good I have a question about internationally and I just don't know what do we think that the protocols are about that I mean I don't feel very safe walking through this airport knowing that people are coming through with this all right. So you're asking about what's your what's your degree of risk as you're traveling internationally? Yeah, because okay. I'm going through JFK Airport to go to a cruise to go to Jamaica. I know it's not you know Africa, excuse me, or anything like that. But should I be wearing a mask? Should I be wearing gloves? Should I just be cautious? Okay. Let's get. Let's find out what Dr. Hamdi. What do you about? No, right absolutely up? not. Patients, suspected patients who are coming from Africa are quarantined immediately, and now. they're not. Yes. And they're not in contact with the general public. But what about Governor Cuomo saying today uh, it came out that they might not be able to enforce that in terms of because that's a lot of that's people, you know, they say about at least 100, 150 people a day are coming in on these countries. What do you what do you think about that? Is that 
I, don't, I mean, aside from what the protocol that we just put in the state, and I think that's the likely one that we're going to follow. There isn't anything new that we can in, new, in the state of New Jersey. Yes. Governor Christie has hasn't said anything like that. Listen, Governor Christie's like, this is what we're doing, <laughs> yeah. and this is how it's going down. Listen, okay. the problem with this is, and and I understand her point. The problem with this is that you have twenty one day incubation period. If this was three days, it would have been easy. But you could be fine now. You could go through your screening. And that's why the screening in the in these airports is meaningless because we. But it's seen, TS. It's TS TSA and no disrespect to our TSA workers, but isn't I mean to take a temperature with a gun from you know that's a non-contact temperature gun does, is that the same as putting putting the thermometer in your mouth? It's a, a lot of times it can underestimate that your fever can change and fluctuate during the day. And with all the respect to TSA, they're good at like finding like a brand new cologne that they just got at the airport, <laughs> but they can't find the damn like you know we're not going to turn these into doctors, right, TJ? But no, they're actually <laughs> taking an average of several tests. Through they're not taking one measure. They're not so okay. No, they're not. They're so, so what that nurse said. The nurse who's the nurse yes. who's in quarantine and very upset about it in Newark right now. She's she's saying, well, they didn't take my temperature. I was heated, meaning like yeah. steamed up because yeah. she Listen, was being stopped. Can I ask a question from Doctor Hamdi? Just like a friend. You, you know, you're going to ask so, it anyway. So, you know, whatever any, I say. No, <laughs> Listen, this guy comes in from there, no fever, goes through the screening, gets to JFK, and it's like maybe like like two days before he gets sick. Goes through Brussels, gets over here, and right at JFK, he gets sick and he throws up on where I'm getting my suitcase. Who's going to take care of the vomit? Can somebody explain to me? Now it's a huge viral load. Right at JFK, I'm looking at this vomit, about to get my suitcase. Are we going to have, like, New York cops... Well, that, that's the question. You have the we Port can. Authority police Who's that are at the airports. And we're going to have all these people. In New York, we definitely in Newark, our first responders are prepared to take care of emergencies as such. Are, are there sh- paramed- Is there like an Ebola unit at Newark There's Airport? There's a task force that's been just put together. And, and they, have equi- they have the protective <laughs> equipment. Because the other thing I heard too, Paul Howard, is that these suits, these uh, you know, these suits are in high demand. It's like the hottest, it's like trying to get One the, the hottest, the Amazon. latest Jordan or the hottest sneaker, you know? Well, you have to know how to wear them. to be in now. Yeah. Okay, let's Let's take some phone calls. Let's go to um, Frank from Staten Island right now. Frank, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hello, hi. Um, my question is why Thomas um, Thomas Duncan's family did not contract the disease. All of a sudden we are hearing that the nurses, they are the only one contracted disease because I understand when he went to the hospital, they know that he got the Ebola symptoms and they send him home. And I guess when he was home, his family was the one that cares for him. Why they didn't contact the disease, but the doctors and other nurses that are coming from Africa, how they won't coming in with this disease? I That's think this is a this is a great, question. A great question, Frank. Thank you so much. It's in Staten question. Island, one of the largest, uh, the largest Liberian population outside of of the country itself. What but about again, that, Frank? Again, so there is this time relationship with the amount of virus that's coming out of your body. So early on in the course of the disease, not that much. So even though if he was sick, uh, if they didn't have a lot of prolonged contact with his bodily fluids and then ingested it somehow or touched their face or their nose. Um, but then the people who are dealing with him in the hospital when he's gravely ill, the viral load's going to be much, much higher. And again, American hospitals are going to do an awful lot to try and save a life. They intubated him. He got dialysis. So they're sticking needles on him left and right, dealing with the flu. And those CDC protocols at the beginning were not good, as Dr. Samadhi has said, had opportunity for exposed skin. So that's where the difference came I, in. I agree with you 100%. I think once they get sick and, you know, he came back the second time with the projectile vomiting, with diarrhea and all this body fluid, this is called a hemorrhagic fever. And you see like blood coming from every orifice. That's when these healthcare workers 
are in danger. Let me just say one thing also about our nurses. I love our nurses. They're the pillar of the healthcare in this country. They're not extremely well paid. They're overworked, and we're endangering our doctors and nurses. And if you're telling me that the emergency rooms today, given the fact that I still I work for North Shore LIJ. Great, one of the best systems in America. They're gearing up and they're moving fast, but not a lot of hospitals are ready for this. And you've so, got the story about the potential sick out at Bellevue. Did that actually happen? Do you think the nurses in your well, the hospital? The nurses are not coming in. I don't know if you know this or not. A lot of nurses at Bellevue are calling in sick because they're afraid. And I think that we should transfer this doctor to one of those biocontainments. Now, it's interesting because those four or five biocontainment centers, Lisa. What, what is a biocontainment center? So these are the centers that are dedicated for bioterror, for bio. Oh, you mean like a hospital? It's called a biocontainment. Exactly. They have Nebraska. a biocontainment center in the hospital. That's where okay. that's where Dr. Brantley was treated the first time. These guys, they know this is like the FBI uh, for viruses. This is like their so, this is like their thing. This is their thing. They know exactly. They have one room, before room. You prepare. You go there. This is how we took care of uh, Nino Fam in those centers. And I, as as good as Bellevue is, and they're putting centers to take care of this. Get the guy over there. You know how the crime scene is, and police officers come. They may make mistakes, but once you have the FBI come in. This is their shtick. Okay, the, pr- let's, the problem let's, is we've only got maybe a dozen of those biocontainment units and those biocontainment beds. So eventually, the local beds. hospital. But is that's the other. That's the other thing too. They should. That's what they. That's Build what they said. Up. They go. That's the number. And then if you get one flight, that's yeah, that's here. But anyway, one 9797 one 9797 on Instagram. Uh, D's asking up five four eight nine one seven is asking the question. Will the show be replayed? You can hear it right afterwards on Lisa Evers dot com. Posted there. TJ takes care of that for us. Gets that up there. Let's go to uh, Tyrone from Long Island right now. Tyrone, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yes, how you doing? Well, my question is, I with the cameraman, if he didn't, if he wasn't in contact with no patients that had this symptom of the Ebola, how did he catch it? What do you think it's probably in the water or something like that? Could like, it be in the water? Food. Good, good question. What about, what about that? Anybody want to? Well, as far as I know, you can't get it from water or food. Okay, at least there's no, like, incident. Now, again, this could be one of the unknowns that we may find out later on. That was the case. He is claiming that he was washing a car and some of the air from that maybe got into system. Why NBC cameraman is, like, washing his car in Liberia is beyond me. But, you know, that's that's, we have some puzzles that we haven't solved yet. And going back to Dr. Hamden, who's absolutely right, Bodily fluid right now is the only source that we know of. But, you know, you need to protect yourself, and we need to protect America. All right, 1-800-223-9797. Uh, let's go to Wilvis right now. And if you're a hospital worker, you're a healthcare worker, and you're concerned about this, let us hear from you, too. 1-800-223-9797. Uh, Wilvis, go right ahead with your question or comment. Is it Elvis? Yes, this is Elvis from Staten Island. Okay, Elvis, what's your uh, question or comment? Well, I work for the Park Hill Apartments in Staten Island, and it's, it's basically my neighborhood is 80 to 85 percent, basically, you know, Africans. Uh, a lot of them are Liberia, Sierra Leone, which is, from, from my understanding, is, you know, the hardest hit areas in Africa. Right. And I do the maintenance in this apartment complex. How would I go about protecting myself and even inform my coworkers? Oh, how to protect themselves. We deal with the plumbing, the apartments, and, you know, we're constantly in their restrooms, in the kitchens. How can I protect myself and inform my coworkers of how, how to go about protecting themselves? All right, Elvis, excellent question, and uh, thank you very much for the call. Dr. Samadhi, what about, what about that? What, what about his uh, 
concerns? Well, look, I think... At, uh, at the baseline, they should be wearing gloves, right? He should absolutely wear gloves. He should try to wear masks and, and cover himself as much as he can. Is there a certain type of mask that they should um, be wearing? It, you know, most surgical masks... Not like the masks. ones we see in the nail salon. Right? Okay. <laughs> no, none of those. But most surgical masks should, should be covering this. And definitely double glove and make sure that there is no access. If you have any kind of abrasion, if you have a paper cut, if you have anything, absolutely cover that. And that's basic, basic advice. Or look for a new job. Well, well no, I mean, the jobs are hard. To- are these recent travelers from, from West Africa or the residents of America? Well, some of them, I mean, some of them have family members that arrive and go They're back and forth, in, yes. come, come in, yes. But what is the traffic? Unless the tra- there's a dense traffic of traveling back and forth from the United States, I don't think there's a risk, right? So this is where the panic begins. Also, to speak to your point of double glo- gloving, we know that from guidelines yes. that that's actually a risk for breakage, so well, this we, is what CDC is recommending now. There's there are special types of gloves that you can double, and most work gloves should not be doubled. Yeah. Well, what kind of for for like workers? Because the, I mean, he is he, he, what his type of job is. They're they're in the nitty gritty, grungy. Yeah. For, you know. for any biological material like that, you can you can you should first absorb the material. Put down paper towels. Put down something that'll absorb the material. Cover it with bleach before you try and clean it up. Uh, you know, make sure you put it. In, you know, for for healthcare workers, they know they want to put it in a puncture resistant bag. Yes. Put it in a, in, a, in some kind of dispo- special bio uh, biohazard dis- disposable bag. unit, and then have an expert come and pick it up. Are and there take biohazard it away. gloves? Are there some kind of well, biohazard? There are, but it's, the thing is, like, he's not going to have access to this stuff. And I but think like spray with the bleach is the way to go. And uh, again. And we have a lot of education going on. You know, you saw the police officers taking the glove off after they came out of Dr. Spencer's apartment. We have a long way to go to get our people. I think ready. of everybody who has got to be educated. So yeah, janitors, absolutely. pharmacists, How anybody who might present at a healthcare clinic. Fly, flying, flying, yeah. Plane. Dr. Hanley? You know, this this has caused mass hysteria. My nephew just called the other day hysterical. He's five years old. And he's in school, and some of his classmates called him E-boy. And he called crying, Auntie Hannah, they're calling me E-boy. I'm like, what is E-boy? He's like, you know, Ebola kid, because he's African. Because he's African. And his teacher isolated him in the corner for half a day. Oh, that's we so do, sad. We do not want to cause that kind of hysteria where we are isolating and, you know, causing this sort of mass hysteria and and targeting people from Africa. No, there's no. This should not turn into a big race. This is not a racist uh, kind of a issue. This is well. We we need to again. If we educate our people, then it won't become a racist issue. And uh, the, you have to tell me why the president of U.S. is not closing the borders. If you have 150 people coming out of there without any vaccine, without any treatment, just that's to just say, to Kennedy. Ju- that's just to Kennedy yeah, Airport a day. 100 to 150. You know, TJ, maybe you can play like a what is that song? You know, don't uh, worry, be happy. Don't be happy. Come on, you can't. This is not a racial thing. And anybody that would turn this disease into a race, they are racist before anybody else. What I have to do as a doctor is to educate people to understand exactly, exactly. what this is about. You are okay. So I think we're clear with that. So basically, so basically, just to sum up very quickly, because we're just about out of time. So the so for the so for the public, unless they're in contact with somebody that has come back within the last twenty one days from one of the West African countries in close personal contact, swapping saliva, uh, blood, body fluids, 
or been around them, very, very close contact while they're sick, they don't really need to worry about Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that's and that's the bottom line. Yes. And then we'll pay attention. And then if, if you're concerned about it, this is exactly the type of issue where you call your congressman, you call your city council rep, you call your governor's office, you call you call your representatives and say, listen, this is what we want to have happen. And, you know, I'm sure the politicians are very sensitive about this whole issue now. And this is where you can put pressure on at this particular time. I'm so sorry to uh, Gus, Dylan, Jose, Karen, James, Byron, Eddie, everybody else that's on hold that we haven't been able to get to your telephone calls. But thank you so much for calling in. You can hear this show in just a few minutes as soon as we're off the air on LisaEvers.com. It's a free podcast. Next Sunday, unless there's major developments in our country with the, the Ebola crisis, we will be talking about undercover racism. What about this trend of people changing their first name when they apply for jobs so that their name sounds more white or more American? as in Jose becomes Joe, as in Shaniqua becomes Sharon, so that they get their resume picked out of the pile. We're going to hear stories about that. Is this a new type of racism or is this just playing the game to win it? If you have a story about that and what happened to you as you were going through your job search, give us a call and uh, or better yet, email us. Email Tone Capone, my executive producer. That's Tone, the number four real at gmail.com tone the number four real at gmail.com or hit me up lisa at hot97.com this episode of street soldiers was made hot for you by fun fusion like fun fusions page and enter to win a fun fusion staycation with one night hotel stay and 20,000 complimentary credits to game all day long thank you for sponsoring the show and thanks to everyone here at hot 97 our program director jay dixon our digital director jeffrey thacker board op and digital assistant tj our executive producer tone capone associate producer the one and only rose d and uh again you know the deal twitter at lisa evers the gram lisa evers live street soldiers episodes lisa evers.com fox 5 i'm going to be covering this on the fox 5 news at 10 because i think we have football this afternoon so there won't be a six o'clock show but you can get the latest on ebola on the fox five news at 10 and to be a part of this show in any way email tone tone the number four real at gmail.com tone the number four real at gmail.com are you a healthcare worker and you're nervous email tone for real at gmail.com have a great week remember use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers push for peace where are the thinkers who will explore beyond the stars revolutionize the way we travel harness the power of nature they're at vaughn college here students learn from faculty with real